This morning's reading comes from 1 Corinthians, uh, chapter 12, and it's on page 1,153 of your church Bibles. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mutile idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit dis distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and every one, it is the same God at work. Now to each one of <coughs> the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit of a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To, to another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of one of the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one, just as he determines. Just as a body, through one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. This is the word of the Lord. When I was studying at Ridley College, uh, Whenever Brian was uh, lecturing in chapel or, or preaching in chapel, he would preach on 1 Corinthians. And um, for a while, he, he was uh, worshipping here at St. Columns. So you might know uh, Brian Rosner. And so um, having uh, heard him teach on 1 Corinthians, read his commentary on 1 Corinthians, um, there's a good deal of what I'm teaching over the next few weeks that will come from Brian Rosner's uh, commentary and work and so I encourage you if you want to know more uh, he's got a great commentary. Um, also there's a, a pastor in the US called John Thompson uh, and uh, he's written a book called Convergence looking at the, the way in which the Holy Spirit and Jesus uh, converge together to be uh, a, a fuel for Jesus' ministry and the start of the early church and so there's a number of things that come from uh, his book as well. Well, as we uh, start this uh, teaching on faith, hope and love, I want to just give you a background to the city of Corinth. And Corinth uh, is a, a city that is known for a, a, a settlement of former Roman soldiers. It had, uh, if you know much about the Roman Empire, uh, the way to get ahead was to uh, have wealth and status and if you uh, wanted to get involved in the Roman Empire uh, and you could serve in the, the military uh, and if you survived the military then there was a good life for you after that. 
And so people came from all different cultures around the, the uh, Roman Empire, uh, but then they would go into these settlement towns, a bit like Corinth, and they would settle there. And so Corinth was an influential city. It had its origin in Greek culture, but once the Romans took it over, it became predominantly a Roman uh, city. So it also picked up the, the Roman uh, pagan worship, the sense of multiple different gods, this sense of uh, uh, some, what we would even by today's standards think is, is quite horrific uh, sort of uh, religious practices um, that, that we wouldn't sort of allow in our contemporary culture. Um, but they were kind of normalised because it was part of the, the Roman belief. And uh, so there was quite an interesting town, but there was also an interesting fact about Corinth is that Corinth would be a place that would have these larger festivals or these larger trade things. And so people would come in from all over the empire into uh, Corinth for a period of time or for a festival or for a particular uh, pagan uh, thing. And then they would go back to their... Uh, homeland. And so, in a way, Paul chooses Corinth to spend 18 months there, almost a bit like the day of Pentecost, where there were people from all over the Roman Empire came into Jerusalem uh, for the festival, and the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, and then they all went back and took the Holy Spirit. So, Paul sets up in Corinth because he knows people are coming in, he can preach the gospel of Jesus and then they'll go back and hopefully take their, uh, the gospel with them. And so, there's a lot in Corinthians, um, but rather than work through the whole book, we're just going to do verse, uh, chapters 12 to 14 and there's some interesting teaching there. Well, the first point to say about this passage is that there is such a thing as false spirituality. We, we live in a culture, don't we, where it's very rare in the history of the world because we live in a culture where there's a group that identifies as not religious. And in the census data, that group in Australian culture is, is growing. But throughout the history of the world... It's, it's only been a very small part of history that people have thought there's nothing else other than themselves. Most other cultures throughout history have always thought that there's some spirit, spiritual world, but they just didn't know which one it was, or they argued about which one it was. And so the, the culture that Jesus comes into is very much a culture where Everybody believes that there's something else. It's just a question, do you believe it's the God of Israel or the God of something else or is it a pagan multiple gods from the Roman Empire? And so when Paul comes into Corinth, he's not picking up this, this idea that there's uh, a sense where there's no spirituality it's just there's multiple different spiritualities, multiple different expressions of that, and Paul is coming in and saying the true spirituality is found in the gospel of Jesus. And so 
when he writes to the Corinthian church, this fledgling church that he planted and started, in 1 Corinthians, after having been there, he's now gone and so he's writing back to them and he's saying to them about these gifts of the Spirit, about these spiritual things, I don't want you to be uninformed. They're in a culture where there's different spirits but supposedly at work and Paul wants them to be aware of the true spirituality and therefore if there's a true spirituality that must mean that there's a false spirituality and they have to resist this false spirituality in the pagan temples or the mute idols, these things that are carved out. It's a bit like um, I I referenced this, this idea when I was talking about Genesis where in the pagan world they would take stone and make little idols of gods out of it and in the Genesis story it's actually God who takes earth and shapes humanity out of it. So Paul is reminding them that the true spirituality is not in these idols that are created by humans and and are mute, they don't speak, they don't do anything, Paul is saying true spirituality is found in Jesus and so Paul comes along trying to correct this and so in many ways both 1 and 2 Corinthians are actually corrective, that's why there's a lot of things in these books that are uh, uh, these letters of Paul that are seen as corrective and if you look at um, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 you see a big correction there as well. So Paul comes along and is also reminding them that true spirituality is Trinitarian in shape. So he's got this uh, thing here in verses 4 and 6, it says there are different kinds of gifts but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working but all of them and every one of them, the same God is at work. So Paul is trying to say that all the spiritual gifts that are given to the church should be grounded in an understanding of a Trinitarian framework, that they're given by the Spirit in order that God's church would be built up, but God's church is built up when it's promoting uh, the, the salvation through Jesus. So therefore, what we do uh, in this uh, spiritual gift analysis is actually Trinitarian. Yes, it's focused on the Spirit, but it's not ignorant of the salvation of Jesus or the creative work of God our Father. And so these different gifts are given, but they're all for a purpose as the Holy Spirit determines it. And so a true sense of spirituality is Trinitarian. And I think this is a great corrective because there are some times where when people talk about uh, the Spirit or they talk about spiritual gifts or they talk about an encounter with the Holy Spirit, often it's uh, just them and the Holy Spirit. But as Lisa shared with us, the Trinity is an invitation into community. So the fact that Paul is saying true spirituality is Trinitarian, it's not just saying Father, Son and Holy Spirit are important, you can't just focus on the Holy Spirit, you can't just focus on Jesus, you can't just focus on God the Father, no, all three are important, 
But also, Paul is saying true spirituality is its invitation into the community of the Trinity. And so, true spirituality confesses that Jesus is Lord. And this is where I think there's an interesting uh, little part at the end of this, where it says, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And Paul is very much aware that in the early church, there was this transition zone that was happening. Originally, people knew who Jesus was, saw the ministry of Jesus, and because they saw the ministry of Jesus, they could say Jesus was Lord, because they'd seen what Jesus did. After Jesus dies and sends the Holy Spirit, you get this transition where people can only know who Jesus is through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that draws people deeper into a relationship with who Jesus is. It's the Holy Spirit that illuminates Paul's teaching when he's uh, uh, teaching about Jesus in the city of Corinth. So anybody who is filled with the Spirit of God, it's not just a personal spiritual experience, but it's actually an invitation into Uh, confessing that Jesus is Lord. So, someone who says uh, Jesus is cursed can't say that they're full of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is drawing people into a life-giving relationship with Jesus. So, you can't be drawn into a life-giving relationship with Jesus and say Jesus is cursed. Nor can someone say Jesus is Lord unless the Holy Spirit has stirred up within them. And it's a really important point in this this passage because I think Paul is uh, reminding people that true spirituality, which is illuminated by the Holy Spirit, is directed towards a deeper understanding of who Jesus is and he's trying to remind them that so that when he starts talking about these spiritual gifts, which I'll get to in a minute, they won't think that's the key part of the passage, that's the key part of the teaching. He's trying to say, overall, the most important part is that the Holy Spirit awakens us to who Jesus is and we then put our life in the hands of Jesus and that's the most important thing. Now he's going to go on to these spiritual gifts after people have got a sense of that. And so when he gets into the spiritual gifts, it's important that each one is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So he's reminding us again that this spiritual experience is not for us personally, it's not me and, and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, in, encounter, we encounter the Holy Spirit in order that we know Jesus but also for the common good. And um, Brian Rosner would say that this is, the spiritual gifts are a sign of the new age dawning. Now, we've got to understand the new age. Remember, the whole of the Old Testament is saying the age to come. The age to come represents when the Messiah comes. And when the Messiah comes, which is Jesus, it's the beginning of the new age. And the new age is when Jesus, the gospel message of Jesus will be salvation for all people, not just the people of Israel. And so, when the Spirit comes... 
It's a sense of the dawning of this new age that was prophesied and, and promised through the Old Testament. And so when the Spirit comes, each one of us has an encounter with the Holy Spirit and it draws us deeper into a life-giving relationship with Jesus, but then the Holy Spirit deposits in us some gifts. Now, there's clarification here between spiritual gifts and the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is given to everybody and there are certain things that all of us are given uh, by the fruit of the Spirit. The spiritual gifts, we get some of them, as Alex said, we get some of them after we become a believer but we're drawn into community because not all of us have all of the spiritual gifts. If we look at, uh, we're not going to look at all of the, the passages on Paul's teaching on spiritual gifts but in the book of Ephesians, the book of Romans and the book of Corinthians, there are different lists of spiritual gifts and they're listed in different orders because Paul's trying to say there's not a hierarchy of spiritual gifts, there's not one that you should have because it's better, no, there are different spiritual gifts and there are different gifts given by the Holy Spirit and they're different and they draw each of us into community for the common good. So, there are some people who have a particular gift and it's used for the common good. So, for example, um, uh, I, I don't have the gift of administration. I, I, can, I can force it, I know that's part of my job, so I can force it, but there are lots of things that, because I'm not good at it, it just, I, I just slip up on it and I, I sometimes over, overlook things that I should have known. And in many ways, I, I couldn't put into the job ad for the administration coordinator, you must have the spiritual gift of administration. Like, I, could, I couldn't put that in the job, job description. But it's really lucky that Lisa Day, who took the job, has the spiritual gift of administration. And not only that, but she, because it's a spiritual gift, she doesn't just do it well, but she actually enjoys it. it it's uplifting to her. And she doesn't do administration just for the sake of doing administration. She uses her spiritual gift for the common good. She knows that when she serves in administration on a Tuesday, and a Monday and a Thursday, and we don't see it all, but she knows that, which, that she's building up the church, the body of Christ, in the way that she is serving using her spiritual gift. So it's a common good. And so... Paul also is referencing uh, this passage from Joel, or, or th there's an allusion to this in um, more in, um, what am I trying to say? The day of Pentecost, uh, there's the reference to Joel, where it says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even my servant, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days. Well, Peter references this in uh, the book of Acts on the day of Pentecost and, and in many ways we can see this happening here in Corinth as well when the spiritual gifts and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit in a world that's seeking to understand the spiritual realm, Paul is saying find a true sense of the Spirit in the, the Holy Spirit rather than these mute idols. And also uh, in Numbers, 
Moses wishes that all people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. So it's been uh, prophesied in the Old Testament that the Holy Spirit would come. When the Holy Spirit comes, uh, it's going to be in the new age after the Messiah has come and that's what we see here that Paul is sharing with them. So, Paul is also reminding them that it's to build up the body of Christ. The spiritual gifts are given to us to build up the body of Christ. We're drawn into community to build up the body of Christ. So, if we're talking about a sense of the Holy Spirit, if we're talking about spiritual gifts, it's not for us to have a spiritual experience with. It's always to build up other people. And that's why there are people who have a variety of gifts and that's why the the community is drawn together. The community is drawn together because of how God has placed things in the body of Christ. So, if the church needs something, then the Spirit sometimes brings somebody with that gift into the church or there's a person in the church already that maybe the Holy Spirit awakens that gift in them. Sometimes we get a a sense of our own uh, gifting and how the Holy Spirit has gifted us. Other times we need other people to point it out to us. There are times where we see something in somebody else that they don't see in themselves. And and I remember um, at my last church, there was a a lady and uh, she was... Um, older and and she was not able to um, to drive and to get out so she had people coming to her home uh, to do cleaning for medical things um, she often went in taxis to um, go to various different places and she said to me um, one day she said oh Mark I was driving in the taxi and I was just sharing about Jesus with someone and and they gave their life to, to Jesus I was like oh geez that's pretty impressive um, I said, so does that happen often? And she said, oh, no, it doesn't happen that often. Probably only about once a month it happens. (laughs) I was kind of like, um, and I said to her, I said, do you realise that that never happens to me? And she says, what do you you mean? Don't don't you share Jesus with people all the time and they just give their life to Jesus? And I said, no, I I said, that doesn't, doesn't happen to me. I sit next to people on the tram or in a taxi and they just ignore me. Like it doesn't, it doesn't happen. And what, what I was able to share with her is that she has the spiritual gift of evangelism. Now, all of us are meant to share the gospel with people. But some of us who don't have the spiritual gift of evangelism know that we can talk about Jesus to a lot of people and people go, oh, that's good for you, but it's not something that I believe in. Whereas for this member of my last church, when she talked about Jesus, because the Holy Spirit was working through her, it seemed as though people were opened up to the message of Jesus and then they would put a life-giving trust in Jesus. Sometimes other people see something in you and awaken it. It's not that it wasn't there, it's just you haven't been awoken to the Uh, to the way in which the Holy Spirit has given you a manifestation for the common good. Now, this manifestation that Paul's talking about, we might think of as spiritual gifts because it's a a thing that we we have and do, um, but it's a little bit 
more than what everybody else does. So when Paul talks here about, in, at the, sorry, at the very end here, and he gives a whole list of things like uh, wisdom. Now, we would all seek wisdom, wouldn't we? But there are some people who uh, just have a sense of what God is doing in a way that helps build up the church. There's um, uh, knowledge, there's faith, there's healing, miraculous powers. We'd have to go into Paul's other teaching to get a complete list. But I want us to see how the Holy Spirit might be blessing each one of us. That the Holy Spirit might be uh, giving us something for the building up of the church. And as we start to listen to that, we see how we're drawn into community. And finally, the Holy Spirit is, sorry, the spiritual gifts testify to the generosity and sovereignty of God. All of these works are one and the same Spirit and the Spirit distributes them just as the Spirit determines. So maybe the Holy Spirit has given you a particular gift and you might think, well, there's a better gift that I would want to have, why can't I have something else? But the Holy Spirit has given you particular gifts for, for what the Holy Spirit has asked you to do, for what God the Father has called you to do and the way that you are to share the good news of Jesus. Remember, it's meant to be Trinitarian. So the way in which you share Jesus in your sphere of influence, at your place of study, at your place of work, in your family, in your community, the Holy Spirit will gift you for that. And maybe the, the plan that God has for you is something that the Holy Spirit will gift you with as well. Obviously, uh, given that I'm up here uh, preaching and teaching each week, it's helpful for me, at least, that the Holy Spirit has gifted me with a preaching and teaching gift. Now, it doesn't mean that every minister has that spiritual gift, but many ministers uh, stand up week in, week out and have to preach and teach. But some ministers, maybe their gift is a little bit more in leadership and others, their spiritual gift is, say, maybe in pastoral care or shepherding. But each one of us is given a gift and I want to encourage you to think through those gifts. But as I finish, I just want to share a, a very short story, but sometimes we can focus on the particular gift as though one gift is better than another and why don't I have the, the really impressive gifts like prophecy or speaking in tongues or one of those gifts? Why do I have a, a different gift? But the important part is in our sphere of influence to be open to the Holy Spirit. I was talking to a doctor um, and uh, he was saying to me that he, he was at work and uh, he was just seeing a whole range of patients in his day. And it wasn't anything overly spiritual. Um, he, he's a spiritual man, but he doesn't necessarily, um, like obviously in the public health, you can't have uh, spiritual conversations with, ev with everybody unless the person raises it. And so he just was going about his day. And he saw a man in his 30s. And as he started to go through the, 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 the file of this man, he just felt in the back of his mind, the Holy Spirit said, check his heart. And he was kind of, didn't really understand 
and he, and he just felt, again, prompted, check his heart. So it wasn't part of the procedure, it wasn't part of the plan, but he, he, he decided he would, go, he would schedule this guy to go and have some heart tests. And uh, when the results came back from this heart test, it, they found out a, a, an anomaly in this guy's heart that meant that he was, had a higher propensity for early stroke or early heart attack but something that could easily be corrected by surgery. And when he uh, thought about it, he, he potentially saved this man's life by listening to the Holy Spirit. Now, the rest of his day, he didn't get words of knowledge about every single patient that he saw. Wouldn't that be much easier for the doctor if he, if he got a word of knowledge about every single patient, at what was wrong with them? And he doesn't really know why this particular man he got a prompting from the Holy Spirit to check his heart, but when he heard it, he acted on it. And so my encouragement to us is if we feel that the Holy Spirit, whatever it is, has given us a manifestation of the Holy Spirit as a gift, and when we feel prompted to use it, my encouragement for us is to use it, not for our benefit or not to think how good we are, but as Paul has said here, for the building up of the church. So as we speak over the next couple of weeks on faith, hope and love, and we're going to speak on a number of different topics. Next week, it's the body of Christ. Then we go into uh, the, the importance of love in the body of Christ. And then there is a little bit more on spiritual gifts in uh, chapter 14. I want us to be open to how the Holy Spirit might be speaking to us and how even though we live in a world where people aren't open to spirituality or there's a group of people who don't even see any spirit, we need to be people who are open to the Holy Spirit working in us through the building up of the body of Christ. So let me pray. Gracious God, we thank you for this teaching from the book of 1 Corinthians. Lord, as we continue to read through Paul's teaching to the church in Corinth, may it be a message to us in our day. May we be open to how your Holy Spirit is moving in us and we make this prayer in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.